Hello. Oh, hi, sweetheart. What's going on? So we have a situation. I might need you to get home and help. Oh my god, are the kids okay? Uh, um, yes. It's a bit more existential than that. Okay. What the heck happened? Well, I was feeding our toddler his lunch, and um, he wasn't really thrilled about the vegetables. This really doesn't warrant me coming home. No, no, let me explain. He started getting really, really irate, and then he yelled something, and, uh um, his broccoli vanished. Wait, what? Vanished? Like, like he threw it on the ground? No, it freaking poofed out of existence. Well, maybe you just forgot to make it for him. Well, that's what I thought, so I looked in the fridge to make some more, and... It was all gone. We brought, like, three crowns. I know! I was freaking out about it, and the TV was on, and... Well, you should check the news. Okay, okay. Scrolling through... Oh my gosh. Broccoli. Gone. What What did our kid yell, Chris? He yelled, no more broccoli. Okay, I'm coming straight home. We need to do our research. We need to fix this. We we need to... Talk about comics? Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's On Infinite Earth. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome to our second House of M episode, readers. Yes, we are smack dab in the middle of this crossover where everything just seems to be going swell. Yes? It's just everything we've ever wanted in a crossover. Okay, okay. What's what's the checklist of the things we want in a crossover? Punching. Okay. Um, lots of characters. Okay. Um. A coherent storyline. True. Yeah, yeah. Um, an entire page of Scott Summers and Emma Frost's domestic life. <laughs> Absolutely nailed it. <laughs> we did it. Perfect crossover. Oh. Oh. Well, readers, we are going to get into it this week. Um, this is the middle three issues of House of M, the very controversial Avengers and X-Men crossover. Would you like to start in with the summary? Summary. House of M number four, written by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Olivier Coipel, inked by Tim Townsend and Rick Magyar, colored by Frank D'Amato, lettered by Chris Eliopoulos, and edited by Tom Bravort. We see that rascally Magneto for a quick second being presented with a mentally crafted toy boat by his grandson before we rejoin Wolverine and the Human Resistance. Hawkeye hastily shoots a shield tracker from out of Wolverine's neck, which, of course, he heals from. However, they didn't remove it fast enough as Sentinel's Kool-Aid man in from the sky. Cloak grabs as many folks as he can to teleport to safety, but Misty Knight, unfortunately, doesn't make it. 
Wolverine asks Luke why they are so interested in him, to which Luke explains that his spies aboard the helicarrier heard of Wolverine's going AWOL and decided to pick him up. Wolverine explains the story thus far to everyone, adding in that in the main timeline, Hawkeye is dead. Luke also lets Wolverine in on Wanda's deal in this world. She isn't a mutant. Hmm, that's odd. After Felicia Hardy, who in this world is also part of the Resistance, claims that this is a mutant trick, Luke disagrees, saying that he has seen that in the 616, he has a baby on the way. Wolverine presses further before Luke reveals that a young girl revealed this to him. This girl introduces herself as Layla, who, like Wolverine, actually remembers the real world and also has the power to make others remember. Not only does Wolverine remember the real world, he also remembers every single memory of his entire life, which is what he has always wanted. He concludes that Magneto convinced Wanda to make a world that gives everyone what they want by somehow using Charles Xavier's mutant powers. The crew needs help, and so they do a little more mild breaking and entering at the Summers residence. Emma Frost happens to come home at this very second, freezing them all in place with her mental abilities before Layla's powers activate. Emma thus remembers everything and swears revenge on Magneto as the issue ends. House of M number 5 has the same credits as House of M number 4. We start off issue 5 in the mind of Layla Miller, as Emma Frost tries to see how her powers work, as well as giving her a dire pep talk about the fate of the world being in her hands. No pressure, Layla! Anyway, Scott comes home just in time to be zapped with the remembering powers. The group decides to go on a fun montage zapping all their old friends with Layla's abilities. First, they get Peter Parker, who now has to deal with the fact that in the real world, Gwen Stacy and Uncle Ben are dead. He doesn't take it particularly well. Then the group gets Kitty Pride, Stephen Strange, Carol Danvers, Tony Stark, Matt Murdock, and Jennifer Walters. They have a discussion about what to do next before Wolverine's old S.H.I.E.L.D. buddies attack. Well, they definitely get Layla zapped after Rogue accidentally touches her, and the S.H.I.E.L.D. folks now join the crew, with some awkwardness. The plan then crystallizes, go straight for Magneto since he must be holding Charles Xavier captive. The scene then flashes to Magneto, who is expecting Doctor Doom as a guest in Genosha. Before he goes to meet Doom, though, he contemplates on his Xavier Memorial Garden. Uh-oh. House of M number 6 Written by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Olivier Coppel, inked by Tim Townsend and Rick Mayar and Scott Hanna, colored by Frank DeMata, lettered by Chris Eliopoulos, and edited by Tom Bravort. The crew fly casual to the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier, using Jessica Drew's credentials to sneak their way in. After disembarking, Emma uses her incredibly strong psychic powers to hide everyone from collective view and then take over the ship. The destination? Genosha, of course, in time for the big event. Meanwhile, Victor Von Doom arrives and speaks with Magneto, offering slightly disagreeable spars with each other. In the helicarrier cafeteria, Cyclops offers a customary pep talk, which is actually pretty depressing, even for him. He states that to win, the group may have to rid themselves of their scruples as literally everything is counting on them. An argument then breaks out about whether or not the world should even be put back and if it's even possible at all. 
Kitty Pride thinks it's possible that if they put the world back, it's morally equivalent to the changes already occurring and thus wrong. Jessica Drew thinks that maybe everyone having what they wanted isn't so bad after all, and maybe this is the natural selection event meant to put mutants on top. Poor understanding of evolution notwithstanding, Wolverine vehemently disagrees. Scott is pretty impatient and lays out the three-team plan. Magneto's event begins as the heroes arrive to try to Layla Millerize Xavier after they find him. Cloak will try to transport Emma and Layla close to Xavier, while another team provides a big old distraction. Doctor Strange will try to contact Wanda in the astral plane as well. A sentinel suddenly flies down from the sky directly at the house of Magnus, which Polaris and Magneto easily stop. Surprise! Our heroes pop out of the Sentinel to start some fisticuffs. Commence big old fight scene with Rogue absorbing Storm and Namor's powers and lots of excellent punches. Scott also decides to put his money where his mouth is and removes just enough scruples to blast Magneto. Far, far away with a very well-placed optic blast. Well, Cloak, Emma, and Layla head to Magneto's garden only to discover Xavier's memorial. They assume all is lost until Cloak teleports underground. Xavier's body isn't there. All right, Chris, what do you think of these three middle issues? Well, they definitely kind of get things moving in ways that I definitely complained about the first three issues not getting things moving. So I got to give it that. That was pretty fun and exciting. And it's Interesting to see how everybody, well, interesting and somewhat heartbreaking to see how everybody reacts to being the news. put back together. Yeah, the, the news of their real life. Because some of them just seem to get super angry at Magneto. Some of them are heartbroken. Some of them are just like, all right, just another day. Yeah, Luke Cage, I feel like he's like sat with this knowledge for a bit. And he's just like, wow, I'm having a baby. That's just wild. <laughs> and, yeah. Like, because he's, he's been Layla Millerized for a few days mm-hmm. and just seems to kind of bring it up as the kind, like, I feel like you'd lead with that. <laughs> right. Right. Well, he even tries to call Jessica Jones. He does. At one point. And and, oh, <laughs> yeah. This is Jessica and this is Scott. It's like, yikes. Yikes. How does that feel to know? I mean, what, because what we... What we theorize has happened and what the, the, the heroes decide has happened is that Magneto has somehow manipulated Xavier into using his powers to figure out what everybody really wants, or at least close enough to it, yep. that he can change the world. Well, to, Wanda can change the Wanda world. Wanda can change the world. Right. To give everybody what they want, but especially him. <laughs> yeah, because it seems to be very Magneto-focused, this world. If that mm-hmm. hasn't been clear by, like, the title and, like, everything that's happening. <laughs> right. Right. So it it's very interesting to see Emma's reaction and Scott's reaction to, like, we, why are we together? Which is weird because at this point in comics, they are together. They're just not married. I mean, I think they were ha- they were on a bit of a disagreement. You've read Astonishing X-Men. This takes place, like, concurrently okay. with kind of the middle of that. Okay. Yeah. So they they're definitely an item. You know, maybe they're just not into the institution of marriage. Scott barfs, which is wild to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I mentioned this to you before we recorded 
like, if everybody has what they wanted, mm-hmm. you know, Scott probably didn't want the traumatic childhood that left him unable to control his optic blasts, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And we we know that, like, history has been rewritten for a lot of these characters, so why does he still have to wear the glasses? Maybe he really likes those glasses deep down. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he thinks they look real cool. Maybe, yeah. Maybe he can still control his optic blast, but he's like, man, these these ruby I'd quartz wear- glasses. <laughs> They're so on brand at this point. <laughs> I can't give them up. Oh. Am I, without red sunglasses, am I even me? <laughs> Could people draw me? What What color are my eyes? I think there's been some panels where you see his eyes. Yeah. Yeah, because we there he has some some instances where what telepathy and things has helped him, helped him to control his optic glass, but I don't know what color his eyes are. Hmm. Readers, maybe you know. To Scott, everything's red, so his eyes might as well be red too. <laughs> <laughs> Sees the world through rose-colored glasses, except when he's shooting like optic beams out of them. Except when he's blasting Magneto into into I don't know hundreds and thousands of. I, I don't know how many feet, but very far away. He does blast it very far away. Well, before we get too ahead of ourselves, I want to address the very beginning of issue four with Magneto's creepy grandchild. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, Grandpa, look at this. I made it with my mind. <laughs> like, I feel like this could have been a really touching moment. But Magneto is just like, he's not even like a happy grandfather. His face is like shadowed as he looks down. In a world that's supposed to have given everybody what they want, he seems not very happy. Yeah, I'd say that's true. He's definitely, he doesn't really smile or anything. No, he's not overjoyed to have a grandson. He's not overjoyed to seem to doesn't seem to be overjoyed to be ruling Genosha. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Is, is it really what he wants? Maybe it's just what everybody else wants. I mean, we'll, fi- we'll I think we'll find out more as the crossover kind of mm-hmm. grinds to a close. To me, having not already read this, this is like some foreshadowing of Magneto may not be the mastermind behind this that oh. we think he is. Yeah. I but mean, I, I mean, there are readers, probably some of you are just like yelling at me right now because you've <laughs> read all this and you know. But to me, and that, that, that's, what, that's what that tells me. So we'll see if I'm right. Yeah, I think that's fair. So poor Layla's just been hanging out in a bar all day, I guess. She's, what, like 10? Uh, yeah, she's she's a kid. Hanging out in a bar all day? Where are her parents? <laughs> they must be worried sick. Well, she woke up and the world was wrong. And she's like, my parents don't know what's going on. I better find Daredevil. And uh, Because she's from Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. She's like, well, can't find Daredevil. So Luke Cage it is. <laughs> Going down the list. <laughs> At least if you live in New York, man, like finding a superhero is so much easier. Like if you and I needed to find a superhero, even if we lived in the 616, I don't think there are any Kansas City based superheroes. So it would be a real rough one. No. If I were a supervillain, I would just attack Kansas City all the time. There's no superheroes here. Right? Right? Like, I mean, at least in DC, like Clark Kent is from Kansas. That's true. I don't. It is debatable whether or not Metropolis is in Kansas. Okay. But Central City mm-hmm. is Kansas City. Oh. Like where the Flash is from. No way. Yeah. How did I not know that? 
Well, in the show, it's like clearly not because there's, I think, like a giant bay or something. Right. But Central City and... I mean, that makes sense if you're talking about the center of the country. Kansas City, here we are. Yeah, we're, we're I think, the closest big city to the literal center of the country. Yeah. Uh, maybe not, but... The, no, I, I think that's true because the literal center is somewhere in Kansas. There's some sort of problems with, like, IP addresses. Like, there's a farm in the middle of Kansas that, like, if you... Your IP address doesn't give a specific location, like you're just in the United States. It tells, like, people that are trying to track you down, like, oh, you're at this location in Kansas. So they're, like, very often investigators that show up to this farm in the middle of nowhere looking for these, like, cyber terrorists. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm sorry. And then the other side, because, you know, we have Kansas City and Kansas City. Yeah. They have Central City and Keystone City. Where the two flashes are from, respectively, the Earth 1 one and the Earth 2 one. Oh. But it wasn't always that way. It was, I think for a while it was placed in Ohio. We're getting off track, but I love Very that, off track. I love that DC sometimes does that with their cities instead of, they just make new cities, but they're basically still the same cities. Yeah. So we get the flash, I guess, even if we don't get any Avengers. Yeah. So we'd, we'd be all right if we were in a... In, in a, DC. In DC. Oh, but in Marvel... Then, like, we'd get lots, so many continuity resets. My you goodness. know, I don't know if it would affect us little folks. There's a really good comic about that that I'm going to talk to you about after the podcast. <laughs> okay, okay. Well. Back to House of M. Another alternate universe that we are not taking place in, although we would probably be pretty miserable because we'd be ordinary humans. <laughs> well, maybe not. Maybe we would be mutants. I guess that's true. In the age of X-Men, we would be mutants. Yeah. Everybody's a mutant in the age of X-Men. Readers, can I tell you something really embarrassing? So reading House of Men. (laughs) Uh, Everybody, I need to announce my new comic book, House of Men, which is going to be a really really great crossover. Just about dudes hanging out. So reading House of M and Age of X-Men at the same time. In these two alternate universes with with X-Men and mutants in them. It's... It's a little tough to keep things straight. Not really that tough, but there's just been some awkward moments when I've just thought to myself, nope, nope, not this story. Not this story. So if Christy suddenly talks about how nobody's allowed to have babies in House of M, you'll know she's thinking about (laughs) something different. I guess that's a spoiler for Age of X-Men, but if you are anywhere on the internet, you know that because it's all we talk about on X-Men Twitter these days. So I like that Hawkeye, well, I don't know if I like it, but Hawkeye definitely shoots Wolverine through the neck without really, I feel like, understanding his healing powers. Oh, yeah, they fully, like, everybody there thinks Wolverine is dead. Yep, and then he just gets up a little bit later, and they're like, oh, cool, you got up. I guess that's okay, and he's like, nope. (laughs) It's like, how long is that out? 30 seconds? Too long. It's too long. Sentinel's notoriously terrible about ringing the bell. Or even going in through your window, or breaking through walls like X-Factor. They literally just always pop the roof off. These Sentinels looked gilded. Yeah, they're a little knight-ish. They've got kind of mm-hmm. interesting little... They're supposed to, I think, kind of be House of magnus And that aesthetic is confusing. Oh my gosh, it's like they've taken so many different eras. We have a little bit of Grecian, we have a little bit of Roman. We may even have some medieval fashion in it. And it's just like they've meshed it into some sort of idea of high fashionness. It's mutant but culture, I guess. It, it's drawn from so many sources, which I guess 
lots of great modern fashion is, just some of it doesn't even seem functional. Really, really long robes, like so. Like imagine walking around in like a wedding dress all the time with a massive train. Like I feel like that's what it just must be like to be part of the House of M. <laughs> if you're Polaris, though, if it's made of metal, you can just kind of pick it up. That would be really cool to have little bits of metal in the train that you can just, you almost just look like you're floating everywhere. That's something Uh, that I feel like doesn't happen enough in superhero garb. I feel like, like a lot of it, it's like he's like this because of his powers, but I'm like, you need some superhero wear that like is power specific. Yeah, that like aids and amplifies your powers. Yeah. I mean, I think the Flash is is supposed to be like streamlining. Mm-hmm. And Superman's is just Superman's. Oh, what's the name of the lady who does the costumes in The Incredibles? Is she? In, she's not Edna, is she? Yeah, Edna. Yeah. They need Edna. Yeah, she, she knows. <sighs> yeah. Those are the best superhero costumes ever. I think it would be cool if, like, Magneto or Polaris did, like... Like, there's not enough uh, fashion in superhero comics, to be honest. Yeah. But, like, things that you that would, like... That would like move around with your powers. I think that'd be mm-hmm. really neat. Mm-hmm. It'd be hard to convey, but you know, if I were a mutant and I had mutant powers, I would do all sorts of crazy stuff. Right? Like, why doesn't like Storm have her own like atmosphere and ecosystem just like around her twenty four seven? Maybe it's just exhausting. I don't know. I mean, I guess so. But like, when they're already strutting their stuff in these ridiculous costumes, like how awesome would it be for Storm to have like? snow fluttering down around her hair that just like disappears i'm sure artists would drive them crazy to have to draw that all the time (laughs) i wanted to talk a little bit about cloak okay this is the era of comics where cloak is a taxi cab yeah it seems like cloak's really good at taking people places yep he does not get enough character development and it is a real shame also dagger is nowhere to be seen I'm, I haven't dug enough into the uh, tie-ins to know where Dagger is, but as far as I'm aware, she is not here, because no one's throwing throwing light daggers around. Mm-hmm. Instead, we get Felicia Hardy, who just kind of has a gun. She doesn't really have her black cat outfit on. No. Nope. Uh, in fact, a lot of the humans don't even have like their normal powers that they have in the 616. There's a lot of just people with guns. Yeah, I mean, which, you know, honestly makes kind of a, a lot of sense like when you're up against mutants mutants you can control metal yeah guns i see you. okay okay <laughs> fine fine to be fair hawkeye still got his arrows he does and they definitely are made of metal i guess y- y- you know metal's probably not much of a concern when you're a resistance person in new york when right the two metal people are so far away they're in mm-hmm. africa that's did I ever we did mention genosha's in africa yes correct? we did we talked Perfect. about that okay mm-hmm. I've always thought it's weird that Genosha's in Africa because, like, it doesn't seem particularly African. Right. Well, it is, it's because of the uh, apartheid metaphor. It is because of the apartheid metaphor. It's just taken to, like, many levels as far as I'm aware. Mm-hmm. But there's some really cool crowd shots in these several comics and landscape shots of Genosha that just make it seem like such this, like... It's a paradise. It's an oasis. Yeah. And it's, like, it's like such a huge city. Like the 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 Magneto Tower towers over skyscrapers, and the skyscrapers almost look like little like bits that blend into the ground below it, and it's so cool. And I think Quapel Quapel ra- rather does a really really good job, sort of portraying the grand scale 
of Genosha in the mm-hmm. House of M. Mm-hmm. I think it is more of a Roman aesthetic that they kind of went for with it. Yeah, kind of. Like, it's it's interesting. Mm-hmm. A little bit of fairy princess stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, the grandkids just wear white shirts and black shorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of drapey, flowy clothes and then military style garb. So the Scarlet Witch has little like a headdress thing of like coins mm-hmm. and they go over her eyes. Mm-hmm. Almost sort of a veil. Yeah. Hey, you can't see through coins. You know, it it seems like she's supposed to almost fade into the background somewhat. Well, she is the human in this, a thing that is really not followed up on a ton later. Mm. Well, maybe that's what she wants. To be hu- to not have her powers? Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah that, that makes a lot of sense. Way to do like a nice good reading of it instead of me going, what? This doesn't come up later. <laughs> well, I didn't really even get it with Wolverine until a few reads in like why he would remember the world you 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 told me that there was an explanation and i didn't quite get it but what wolverine wants more than anything is to remember his life right so in this that somehow included his, his other life his other life the original life right so that's how he gets around the whole mm-hmm. Whereas Layla just happens to have, like, a very specific... Mutant ability mutant. <laughs> where reality warping powers don't work on her. Well, yeah. And it's... And um, she, ex- can... she becomes a character more after House of M. Uh-huh. Uh, spoiler, she doesn't die or anything. Man, it'd, that'd be pretty awful. That'd be very Flashpoint to, to alternate kill reality. Child. Kill a child. Uh. She, her powers just kind of become this nebulous, hi, I'm Layla Miller and I know things. Okay. Yep. Uh, she she joins the X Factor crew later, and mm-hmm. a lot of stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this, she gets kind of a fun. I I use the word fun a lot. Uh, she's like terrified this entire comic, yeah. rightfully so. But she and Emma, Emma c- kind of gets to be like a, a teacher mom figure to yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, it's very sweet. Mm-hmm. Especially because Emma's also like, you need to step up or we're all going to die, but I'm going to help you. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's like, Emma just scares you and then like gives you a hug and scares you a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like, I want you to feel confident, but I don't want you to feel comfortable. Right. Also, I don't really know how your brain works. There's, you're you're tel- telepathic, but not. So I, they go on this montage freeing a bunch of people Yeah. from the... The memories. Mm-hmm. I just imagined, because I'm a goof, like a really silly, like, we built this city and then, like, go Oh, into... yeah. It's very, <laughs> it has that feeling to it. And, and, like, aside from, like, the super kind of creepy, dark panels with glowing green eyes, mm-hmm. I think it, I think that, that fits. But yeah, were this a Deadpool comic, that would be what would it be happening? Hundred percent. They go find old Captain America and they just all look at each other and shake their heads <laughs> and then leave. Uh, some notable exceptions that they don't get. They don't get Cap. Yes. Because he's an elderly man. Mm-hmm. They don't get Iron Man, even yeah. though he is like a character in this. Yeah. And they don't decide to go all the way to Russia to get Colossus. Colossus gets one panel in this entire crossover. But it is beautiful and I'd put it on my wall. I guess it's it's a page. You you would put beefy beefy Colossus. Oh, we forward. talked about this last episode. It was it's just beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And we we'd put like Colossus, a Colossus uh, beautiful. <laughs> 
<laughs> Said we put a communist slogan on there, slap it up on the wall, not explain it to guests. <laughs> Why is this up here? <laughs> I think Just it's self explanatory. It. Just look at it. <laughs> yeah, so he just. I'm like, does Brian Michael Bendis just not like Colossus that he's like, let's just take him off the table there. There is a running joke that Brian Michael Bendis loves Kitty Pride, mm. And he would, if he could, he would like to marry Kitty Pride. Mm. So instead he just puts a bunch of characters that he's writing with Kitty Pride. Oh, yes. When he wrote Ultimate Spider-Man, yep. Kitty Pride dated Peter Parker. Yes. When he wrote Guardians of the Galaxy... Kitty Pride joined the Guardians of the Galaxy and was also engaged to Star-Lord. Mm-hmm. And readers, if you want to hear more about Kitty Pride's uh, relationships or time she almost got married, there is an uh, awesome Battle of the Atom episode all about times that Kitty Pride didn't get married. Ugh. It's great. Yeah. But poor Peter, poor Peter has a rough time. Also, Peter, not looking a lot like Peter, he has shaved his head and it's grown back in a little bit. Yeah. And he's got an earring. Very not, very not our Spider-Man. Yeah, he definitely does not look like a Peter Parker that I'd recognize. If they hadn't called out his name, Peter Parker, I wouldn't have looked at that art and said, that's Spider-Man. It's like if Eminem was Peter Parker. Yeah. yeah. Two Spider-Mobiles go around the outside. <laughs> Do you, So he, he is probably the most devastated because he's got like... Several tiers and like layers of how messed up is this? It's like I have to go back to the world where my wife is dead and my kid doesn't exist and my uncle is dead and I am not basking in easy success. And my wife that is in the real world, Mary Jane, is also less successful. And also, what does this mean about me that my perfect world does not actually include my real actual wife in it? Right. Woof. I don't like that. I think in his perfect world, he would still be married to Mary Jane. I. Uh, it's weird to me when they idolize Gwen as like like the 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 lady above all ladies in Spider Man's life because she just hasn't been present as much as Mary Jane. Right. She it hasn't stood the test of time. Right. I mean, I'm, but is... that that m- might be part of the appeal like you how you idolize a memory of somebody who you really don't actually have the experience with them to substantiate that like you hold them up on a pedestal is it is uh is gwen his 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 homeroom angel you know just always just uh put on the pedestal The, the memory is better than the reality right i think that's maybe fair it's a bummer because like like MJ plus Peter is like that's that's an o, that's an OTP kind of thing, right? Right. Although it's weird because I'm I'm reading some old Spider Man. Mary Jane's not even in it yet, and like it seems like Stan Lee definitely was not super interested in him dating anybody that wasn't Liz Allen or Betty Brant for a while, and they don't they are ultimately not very important to Spider Man. <laughs> it's it's interesting when they kind of go through changes like that. But this is the last we see of Gwen. I guess Peter is is totally cool with his his fake alternate reality wife just kind of going off, and he can just, you know, stride but, stride the eight mile. Yeah, he's just kind of grappling with it. I mean, it's not a thing that I th- think he would want to go through mm-hmm. with them. Yeah, what are you gonna What are you gonna tell him? Right. And hopefully, it all goes away. These issues also make Emma Frost seem nearly godlike in power. 
She can do everything and it's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, Peter, grow your hair back out. You still look like you're about to start rapping about mom's spaghetti. (laughs) Aunt May's spaghetti? Would Aunt May make spaghetti? No, she makes wheat cakes, which are just pancakes. (laughs) With whole wheat? I don't know. They just uh, she always makes wheat cakes, and it's it's like a running joke. Uh-huh. Well, that sounds delightful. Yep. Little maple syrup. <laughs> I just love the idea of Peter Parker going, "Mom's spaghetti." <laughs> <laughs> oh. <sighs> Guess who's back? <laughs> back. Spidey's back. <laughs> oh, I wonder what his entrance music is. Yeah, because he's a wrestler. Uh huh. Mm. It's actually just the the theme from the original Spider-Man movie that came out that was that Nickelback song, Hero. Do you remember this song? Um, maybe. All the Nickelback songs are, like, the same to me, so... <laughs> this one's not different than that. Okay. He just looks like a guy in this, this crossover who's like, yeah, Nickelback. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to lose somebody over that one. Oh... It's, bye bye bye. <laughs> it's a, it might be a cliche at this point to hate Nickelback. I think they're fair, they're fairly inconsequential these days. <laughs> After the Shield agents come and they lealize everybody on accident because Rogue touches her and Rogue like chain reactions everybody. Oh, mm-hmm. that's what was happening. Yes, Rogue accidentally. Absorbed I her didn't powers. quite get that. I mean, I knew Rogue absorbed the powers, but I didn't understand that's why everybody was all at once. Yeah, there was just a lot of that going on. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is all very sudden. Okay. Mystique slaps Wolverine. Uh-huh. And it's kind of a great scene because it's like, it's like it just says a lot with a little, you know? Mm-hmm. It just, I was like, did Wolverine do something or is she just like ashamed of what they <laughs> did? Right. Yeah, there were there were definitely things going on between. <laughs> she them. just goes. She gets this look of disgust on her face and goes, "No." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't know how. I don't know how. It's 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 ultimately not great because there's like you know if you're like alternate reality like there's like some dubious consent, but it kind of wasn't either of their faults. Well, to me, it's just more like. Oh, we did something. Like, like you definitely made a choice. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. But, you know, she doesn't seem to be, like, ultimately, like, super mad at him. It just seems to be kind of reactionary. And I I completely understand. I like that they have to develop a plan. But at first, their first plan is, let's just commandeer a helicarrier. And Emma Frost is like, I can always do this. I could never not do this. At any point in time, I can just commandeer a helicopter or a helicarrier by myself. Yep. Like, they barely need anybody else. They just use um, the... Unless there's water on the ground. Oh, yep. That's true, as we know. As we know from Phalanx Covenant. Yeah. Because, you know, m- maybe she's advanced since then and figured out how to cover up her reflection, too, as she moves. But water on the ground. There is some stuff in Marvel where if you have psychic abilities... Or not, if you have psychic abilities, sometimes people can develop, like, blockers to you a little bit. Like, they can train their mind. Mm. None of these people apparently have that. I guess Magneto just never thought it would be important. Because... Which, in a world where mutants are king, seems very silly. Yeah. Like, wouldn't there be all sorts of, like, security just aimed 
at mutants. Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe the, the thought is, well, they've got everything. What else do they want? I don't know. But it is it, it does seem silly to me. Although Jessica Drew pulls a pulls a you know, it's an older code, but it checks out. <laughs> yeah. And they, they get aboard and then decide that they're gonna all have mediocre cafeteria food. All part of the plan. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, but the whole logic behind the invasion is no. There's no reason to stealth. They definitely probably already know something's coming. Like they may not know what's coming. But, like, we stole a helicarrier, so no reason to be quiet about this. So Scott pulls a Lil John and tells us that all of our scruples have just got to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then is interrupted by people having a philosophical debate about whether or not they should change the world and if they even can. And Jessica Drew's like, this is the best I've ever been. And you and I reading this go, is it, though? Is it, though? Like this isn't what you really want. This isn't Jessica what Drew. you want. You're like the 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 top spy cop. No, no, no. You want Roger and your baby. <laughs> you want to not this, not like this, <laughs> or a nice, very close relationship with Carol Danvers that we we can't define as anything other than a good friendship. <laughs> <laughs> it's a house of hell. <laughs> they don't even have Carol. Kind of barely shows up from after this. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. They zap her, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. What where what's she doing? Who knows? <laughs> Just Danvers thing. Uh, they don't but... get Simon though. Or Sentry, who I feel like Sentry would have been a really good pick because he has like Superman powers. But Wolverine, taking the moral high ground here. Yeah. Wolverine who we back. started off with, like, yeah, we should definitely just kill Wanda, and I'd hope you'd kill me too, is now the no no no, we have to send all this back. Which I think Kitty Pride has a unique point. Like this, the bomb has gone off. We are setting off another bomb. Right. There's a there's an episode of Star Trek Voyager where I think I, I think it's a transporter accident accidentally combines two characters, Tuvok and Neelix, and they make a new character called Tuvix, and he is a new, fully complete being. Mm. And ultimately, Captain Janeway decides to separate him back into Tuvok and Neelix as he's, like, begging for his life. And it's it's a little bit like this. Like, the damage is done. You have created a new human being who now has rights. Are you going to get rid of that? You know, Gwen's alive. Hawkeye's alive. There are children here that do not exist in the other reality. And setting all of it back takes all of their lives. I, it would be interesting to dwell on that a little bit more. Although, it's be- in- Because to our knowledge, this reality hasn't gotten rid of anybody except for Professor X. Maybe. And Jean Grey. Well, no, she was already gone. Jean Grey was just, already gone. They just, just chose not to bring her back. <laughs> no Jean Grey. <laughs> she just didn't fit well into this. <laughs> Emma had to be the awesome. <laughs> you know what Jean Grey wants more than anything else, apparently? <laughs> to, to stay, stay dead. dead. <laughs> Oh, that's bad. <laughs> that's a, a lot of people have said that, though, since, like, can Jean just stay dead? At least at least with the new thing, they brought her back and they're using her. Oh, yes. Swimmingly. Yes, I've loved all that. Yeah. But then they go through this whole thing and Scott just goes, all right, are we done? I said three teams at the start. Can we just talk about my three teams? I want to bring out the whiteboard. <laughs> He's basically like, guys, we're going to have to kill people. 
But yeah. It's what we're going to have to do. I know we're not about that, but we got to be about that. This is kind of a, a Scott Summers dream world in that there is no consequences for accidentally losing control because it's all just going to be fixed. I mean, they don't know that though. They don't. I guess so he is he is making a bit of a bit of a moral sacrifice in deciding to to set phasers to vape. <laughs> I mean, except he didn't really cuz Magneto's still around. He did, but so readers when I first read, so it totally it looks, looks like, like he just goes poof. <laughs> and I'm like, is that what we're supposed to think happened at this point in the issue and then discover more later on, but well, at the beginning of the next issue, they talk, they, they're like, we need like, to I'm go like, find there's... our father. Right. Like, he just got blasted back. And I was like, oh, he didn't just get like poofed into a million little pieces or something. Like what happened to Mr. Sinister at one point? Gosh. And Dr. Doom in this, he's, he looks all, looks all normal. Yep. He's not all, he's not all, his face isn't all messed up. Mm-hmm. I don't quite understand what's going on between him and Magneto. They seem very... Oh, Chris knows from tie-ins. I do. Uh, we talked about it a little bit last time, but mm-hmm. Doctor Doom does he, he? As we know, he never wants to be subservient to anybody. Mm-hmm. He kind of has to be, and he hates it. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. He has to be to Magneto because he cannot threaten like Magneto's reign. But mm-hmm. it is it is not something he is okay with. Right, but at least he gets to be pretty. He does. He he gets to look great. Mm-hmm. Which is part of all he ever wanted. Yeah, and apparently to also just be slightly miserable. Because <laughs> well, he does kind of hate this. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if his mom's still around. She is. Oh. Mm-hmm. So he does get his mom. Oh, yeah. They still, a- they're still kind of devious, but maybe, you know, that's in line. Why wouldn't he want to be devious? Yeah. 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 So we get we get the 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 presentation of all of like the emissaries and stuff. Mm-hmm. Note the complete lack of Americans. It's interesting. This is kind of a world mm-hmm. where like seems like royalty's kind of king. Yeah, because they have T'Challa and Storm, who is a princess of Kenya. Yeah, I guess that's kind of strange to me. We have the Latverian royalty. Yep. Yeah. We have Namor. Mm-hmm. And then Janice Vell, who's an emissary from the Cree Empire. So we even have some some aliens. Right. But nobody from the Americas. Nope. Not even. No South America. No, no North America. No one from Nova Roma, the strange on-again, off-again Roman colony in the Amazon. Mm-hmm. I would have liked some Is Nova Roma. Latveria, would that be... I mean, it's... I know it's fake, but would it be European... It's, Is it our closest... it's like Slavic-ish. Right. It's kind of like, it's it's in your Latvias and your, your Lithuanias, I think it's supposed to be where it is. Yeah. Someone's yelling at me and telling me how wrong I am, but I, I'm fairly certain it's kind of in, like, the, the area of what would have been maybe considered a former USSR country. Right. Right. So, yeah, interesting, interesting smattering of folks. I kind of dig it. Mm-hmm. I think it, it definitely says, hey, this is different. Yeah. Uh, and and kind of shows shows doesn't tell a little bit. Mm-hmm. I l- uh, who is it that Namor is with? Who is Namor with? Let's take Cause... a look. I'm not sure if it's anybody specific. It's a fish lady. Who's, okay. Who's a Namor's kind of weird for an Atlantean. He he's a mutant. Right. Right. He is 
he looks like a a Caucasian guy. The rest of them kind of look like green fish people. Okay. Yeah. And it's because his his dad is human. Ooh, I don't know. Are you thinking of Aquaman? Aquaman. <laughs> they have an incredible weirdly similar backstory at least in my head right right i mean i get them all confused all the time but i you know that's just me you know that a name that so marvel now owns fox mm-hmm. they own fantastic four rights now okay yeah so they will probably be throwing namor in something eventually right some people are going to call him an aquaman ripoff and i'm going to be like so mad because namor came first <laughs> <laughs> And it was I, I quick look up. It was Namor's dad, a sea captain. So Aquaman, lighthouse captain, Namor, sea captain, both still fish princess moms. Gosh, I don't know how anybody could get the two mixed up. <laughs> what are they both lords of? Oh, same thing? Same thing. <laughs> I like the big it's not quite a it's a splash panel, but with little mini panels. Of the approaching sentinel coming from the distance, silhouetted mm-hmm. against the moon. Beautiful. Oh my gosh, readers. So if you have Marvel Unlimited, I strongly recommend reading this panel by panel because it is so cinematic. Just all of the, the there's, we have a bit and I'm, I'll probably, I think I talk about it in my accolades where like where, even where Wolverine's going in and out of consciousness, that going panel by panel, you get little flashes of like the the blurry panel and then it goes to black and then it kind of fades in again. And it really, it really does give it that, that beautiful cinematic feel going panel by panel, especially. Yeah. We've talked a little bit about the concept of a widescreen comic and this does it a little bit. In certain in certain spots, but also just certain really good. It is almost like a storyboard mm-hmm. in some spots, mm-hmm. which you're right. It is it is very cool, and the the sentinel panel is very cool too because you get silhouette against the moon, slightly bigger, boom! Now it's in view, mm-hmm. and then like it shattering, zoom over, you see Magneto. Mm-hmm. It's it was it was it was artfully done. They don't always do the panel by panels in Marvel Unlimited with a lot of care. Not especially compared to Comicsology, which I yeah. think has kind of the superior panel by panel. Yeah, but they did this one's pretty good. Yeah, although House of M, House of M is like something I think they probably want to get right. It's a considered a fairly major event. Right, right. We didn't have any uh, little video though at the beginning, like we. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> I think they did that after House of M was coming out, and they made yeah. the videos like concurrently. I don't think mm. they're going to go back and do it. Right. Especially now that Brian Michael Bendis doesn't even work for Marvel. Yeah, that would be really hard for him to do that video. Yeah, he'd probably get in a lot of trouble. (laughs) So the ending is, you know, of course, that Xavier's body isn't there. And I love that Cloak's like, man, better just check for a body by warping underground. And Layla's like, is he going to just pull up a corpse? (laughs) But I also wonder, like, a memorial garden. That doesn't necessarily mean that somebody would be buried there. Yeah, that is a strange assumption. Like... Uh, as we all know, George Washington is buried in, under the Washington Monument. <laughs> and the statue of Abraham Lincoln, that's also over the body of Abraham Lincoln. I and mean, in fact, it doesn't actually happen ever. It's true in a lot of churches. It is. Lots lots of Catholic churches got some St. Saint Bones in there. In fact, I think every single church has to have a, a little bit of a relic in it, right? Oh. Uh. 
I don't know about that one. Okay, that's something I've heard. Maybe that's just an urban legend. Right. Maybe the cathedrals. I know. I know. You got to have that pope key. You got to have the pope key. <laughs> I was about ready to say, hey, do we want to do accolades? But I want to talk about how Hawkeye does not want his memories back. But why would you? The memory of dying? Would you just have a memory of dying and then just like a lot of nothing for a while? Or would it just stop there? I don't know, but I wouldn't want to find out. Yeah. So I guess I get him. And he just, he books it at one point. Mm-hmm. He's just like gone. And we... Right. Because how, what, is he going to help try to help get the reality back where he's dead? Fair. You know. Like, that's the real moral problem here. There are people that are alive in this reality that aren't in the other one. So even if you try to switch it back, that is that is lives lost. Do we you... don't we don't have any knowledge that anybody in this reality is dead that wasn't already dead before. That's true. Do you think that needed to be focused on a little more with Hawkeye? Or do you think it's interesting that it almost became somewhat of a background concern Whereas all these people who have their memories back are thinking, of course we need to go back to the reality that I know. Yeah. The big, like, heartbreaking story is supposed to be here, like, Spider-Man. But, like, let's talk about the guy who's dead. Spider-Man's just more popular than Hawkeye. I think that's why he gets the... <laughs> sure. Fine. But... <laughs> yeah. That's rough. Spider-Man had one shot. One opportunity. <laughs> Does he go for it or just let it slip? All right, before I make too many more Eminem references, I think we should probably get into accolades. <laughs> accolades. All right. What is your best line, Christy? My best line. Oh, gosh. You know, I think I want to change it. So my best line is actually an exchange between Emma Frost and Layla. Mm-hmm. And it's when Emma Frost, we see a depiction of her in Layla's mind, and they're having a conversation. And Emma Frost calls Layla a conundrum. And Layla's like, is that good? And Emma Frost is just like, rarely. But hey, you never know. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, I'm not going to lie to you, kid, to make you feel better about it. Like, it's probably not good. But Emma is frank, and that's nice. (laughs) Yes. My best line is from Spider-Man when they're all kind of talking about reacting to how the world's changed. And he says, fine, but when we do get to have our nervous breakdowns, I go first. You know what I just changed mine from? Was that, oh, that was yours originally? Yes, I was looking at that panel, but we had just talked about Spider-Man being so sad that I was like, oh, I can't best line him talking about a nervous breakdown. It it stood out to me. I don't know if it's funny, but I did... Yeah, it's, it's, it's very Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, when we have a chance to show our emotions, I go first. Right. What and about your greatest hero? My greatest hero is Layla Miller, because that poor little child who's never done anything before has to save the world. And Daily that sounds tough. double. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. She's the greatest hero here. I just feel bad. She's just a little kid. She doesn't even get to, like... She's literally just, like, wearing, like, her at-home clothes. <laughs> right, right. Like, I think it's, like, a shirt for her her school. Like, yep. elementary, middle school, one of the one of the two. She's, kids' school. She's yeah. in kids' school. What's your coolest moment? My coolest moment, and this kind of relates back to what I was talking about with the awesomeness of the panel by panel. My coolest moment is when Wolverine is drifting in and out of unconsciousness. Because just 
art-wise, to me, it was super cool. And, like, the speed at which you kind of click through for the panel by panel almost gave me, like, that heartbeat (gasps) feeling. That's so neat. It was. It was. And I was just like, oh, like... This whole comic, like, I had to do a ton of... I normally only switch to the panel by panel when you get too big, like, full, like, two-page spread, because it's the only way to read it on a tablet. Mm -hmm. But I found myself staying in it just because it looked so great. But that moment was so cool, him slipping in and out of consciousness and the the text fading. I loved the lettering on that. Uh, This is Eliopolis, right? It's our boy. Oh, it's beautiful again. I, I... Does Chris Eliopoulos go to cons? Because I want to meet, like, world-famous letterer Chris Eliopoulos. That would be awesome! <laughs> I don't know if a lot of letterers go to cons. Very rarely do colorists go to cons, it seems like. I could be wrong. I just, I don't feel like I see a lot of the, the sort of what I consider to be the superstar colorist. Matt Wilson is going to be at C2E2, and he oh. is a superstar. Yes, readers are going to be at C2E2. So if you are going to be there, definitely tweet at us, and we'd love to say hi. Yeah, we would absolutely love to say hi to you. I It would probably make my con if somebody who I'd never met before went, Are you Chris and Christy from Chris's on Infinite Earths? I mean... I don't I don't know I don't know if we're, our faces are recognizable. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they're on our website, but we don't really like like I don't put mine on my Twitter or anything. Oh, mine's on my Twitter because I'm not creative enough to have anything besides my picture anywhere. I, I paid Tracy Shepard to draw ours. <laughs> that's true. Well, my coolest moment, of course. Oh, yes. The Sentinel being thrown at Magneto from oh. the sky. I liked that one quite a bit. It's it's a very me coolest moment though in that it's like big flashy Mm -hmm. i am a sucker for stuff like that admittedly i feel like that is something that would be awesome like an awesome sound of like the sentinel like flying in and just that abrupt stop Mm -hmm. and the crowd gasp and magneto just the same blank expression that he's had throughout this entire event yeah he's having a bummer time i don't think he likes the house of M. (laughs) Having a House of M bum out. Mm-hmm. The House of mm-mm-mm. <laughs> the House of mm now. <laughs> I'm shocked you didn't bring in your House of mm-bop. Uh, you told me not to. <laughs> I did, readers. Chris has been walking around the house for weeks going House of mm-bop, bop, bop. Just, and I'm just like, you can't do that on the podcast. <laughs> and I didn't. You did it. I did it because I love you and I knew you'd want it in here. <laughs> Well, uh, another thing I really want is to know your Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy. Oh, my Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy has to go to Magneto specifically for that opening page with his grandson. Just super excited to share with him, you know, his thing that he did. And Magneto's just got like this dark, gaunt face. And it just slowly (laughs) zooms in on him. No joy, anything. I hate fun. (laughs) I'm like, oh, what a proud grandpa. I know. It's very strange. What? <laughs> My silly villainy is just the general aesthetic of the House of M, which seems like it's just cobbled together from oh, a bunch of I know. Stuff. We talked a bunch about that. What a, yeah. Yeah. They, all the different kinds of garb. To some extent, they look like, all right, we uh, really just need to pick out the supervillains from this comic. Oh, there they are. <laughs> just found them. <laughs> and, like, you could understand if, like, the big 
gala event, you know, where everybody's, like, dressed to the nines and everything. They've got some weird garb. But, like, Magneto just chills out in, like, this super long, like, it's not a comfy bathrobe. It's like an ornamental robe that just yards and yards of fabric. (laughs) He just trips over it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely goofy. So your silly villainy award goes to the uh, fashion designer of the House of M. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we meet them, but whoever <laughs> they are. It's a lot of midriff. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, not even just in the house. Not even just this a, is a an entire of the house crossover of, of midriff. Yeah. I I just can't keep trying to think of that time that year, like 2005, right? Oh, five. I feel like midriffs weren't huge then. What was big? The, like, the the Long, flowy skirts. Yes, the very long, flowy skirts. We were kind of getting out of the flared pants a little bit. Skinny jeans weren't popular yet. No, no, skinny jeans were... That was kind of a late 2000s. No, well... Well, skinny jeans on men? (laughs) I feel like... Skinny jeans on men first, yeah, right? Right? Yeah, that was like 06, 07. And then became more popular with ladies later. You have some pants from high school that kind of went high waisted and had a lot of buttons. Were those was that kind of popular then? Uh, I don't think it was actually that popular. Oh well, I always thought I they don't, were very cute. Yeah, I thought that I really liked them too, but I don't know of many other people that had things that were that so high waisted. Buttons, lots of buttons. I thought they were great. Or snaps, snaps or buttons. They were they were buttons. Some of. No, I think they were all functional. It was a lot of buttons. Just so many buttons. It was very challenging to use the restroom. Oh, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well. Trip down memory lane. Yeah, after our questionable fashion choices. <laughs> yeah, uh, thinking back to what I was wearing in 05, I totally forgive the House of M for everything. <laughs> You're like, that's I think, fine. <laughs> I wore a lot of scarves, and some of them had the little, like, bangly things that, like, had, um, that, um... Scarlet Witch had draped over her face. Definitely oh, had scarves with those bangles. You things. did literally have a belt that looked like that, like the gold. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I remember a lot of that. lot of wrap things. I had some like wrap skirts and very interesting prints. Lots of those big flowy skirts. Yeah, those were big. Yeah, yeah. I probably would have loved this whole House of M aesthetic. You'd have been like, I need to cosplay. <laughs> oh. All right. Uh, another reason it's probably good that uh, I didn't read this then. There'd be some awful pictures. I think you the the end of this crossover. If you would have been an, an invested young Christie in in X Men, I think you would have been absolutely devastated. Now we haven't reached it yet, but you know it's going to happen, and I, I think you would have do. been because you also, to some extent, kind of I feel like love a lot of the little characters that you meet that are kind of fun. So eh. yeah. Well, uh, that's going to be kind of it for our show. Mm-hmm. Um, our, as I'm checking, this is our 40th episode, if you count some of my, my little Oh, your Chris episodes. Time capers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, we don't have to count those. So this will be our 36th episode. We're, man, we're going to get to 50 this year. I know. We're going to get to our second year. We really didn't get to celebrate our one-year anniversary we because- We were taking care of a baby. Yeah. I was on maternity leave. So- We'll have to, man, I know it's far out, but we'll have to think of something big for one year or for two years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, we have a customer review from iTunes to read. 
Yeah. Would... Customer. That implies that we're getting paid. Well, that's why it says customers. Oh, it, it does? Yeah, that's literally the words it uses. Well, anyway, <laughs> it is from Javier Files. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Who gives us five stars and says, Chris and Christy have a great back and forth with knowledgeable insight on about comics. I'm thinking they meant on and about comics mm-hmm. or just about comics. Always a fun listen. Well, that was great. Thank you, Javier. Thank you, Javier. <laughs> we really appreciate it. Oh. And if uh, you would like to rate and review us on iTunes, we will also shout you out on the show. We really appreciate those iTunes reviews. Or if you would like to thank us monetarily, you can also do so. Uh, you can go to www.ko-fi.com slash Curses on Infinite Earths. <laughs> Very long name, but that's just kind of the name of our pod. I didn't know what else we were going to call it. Right. Could have right. called it Koi Pod. I've always thought about that. Oh, I know. Our initials. C-O-I-E. Mm-hmm. Uh, readers, um, before Christy can stop me, uh, if you want to be known as the Koi Pond, just let me know. <laughs> you just you just tell me. You don't have to tell Christy. It's Okay. <laughs> Fans of the show called the Koi Pond. Yeah. Why do you think I would hate that? Because I once talked to you about it and you were like, no. Oh, well, I don't know. Milkshakes melt and people change. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, speaking of Kofi, you can donate to us in $3 increments all the way up to just more than we've ever said. But we really appreciate that. Um, We'll shout you out on the show if you want to donate to us as well. Uh, or not, if or you not. don't want to be shouted out. If you, Yeah, if you just don't. You, yeah, yeah, I guess maybe we just... Well, you know, if you don't want to be shouted out, you can always donate anonymously. That's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll shout you out for those five-star reviews on iTunes or Stitcher mm-hmm. or Facebook. And you can always get a hold of us on Twitter or Facebook at Chris's Pod. You can email us on chrisesoninfiniteearths at gmail.com for those long-form messages. Or you can, you know, you can see us at C2E2. Yeah, that's true. Because we're going to be there. We're going to have fun. We're going to be there with some other podcasters. Mm -hmm. If I can get my life together and pull everything back out and make sure it all still fits post-baby, you will likely see me there as Spider-Woman. Yeah, and you'll see me there as Guy with Spider-Woman who's carrying a backpack. Yep, yep. I tried to talk Chris into cosplaying, but having to give up a backpack... It's very tough. Or me having to give up somebody to carry the backpack... Yeah, also tough. It's a tough choice. As a cosplayer, you got to have somebody to carry the backpack. You have to have a handler, as they say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To handle your backpack. <laughs> all right. And until next time... Slay your enemies, and all you desire shall be yours.